right after high school, uh, one of my friends joined this group that went around doing youth revivals. They would sing and do dramas and skits, and someone would preach, and he did that for a few years. And then he had a few various ministry jobs after that that went from leading worship because he could sing to teaching or preaching. And then sometime later, he started a church. And it failed. So what do you do when God doesn't bless you the way that you want? What do you do when there's a disaster or a crisis? Because the truth is, there will be times where we have questions. And there's going to be times that we have that specific question. What good can God bring from this? So today we're going to turn to one of the most beautiful sections of Scripture there is. It's in the New Testament. And it's Paul's letter to the Romans. So if you will, turn to Romans chapter 8. And we'll begin at verse 28 and read to the end of the chapter. Romans chapter 8, beginning at verse 28. And this is the Common English Bible. We know that God works all things together for good for those who love God. For those who are called according to His purpose. We know this because God knew them in advance. And He decided in advance that they would be conformed to the image of His Son. That way His Son would be the first of many brothers and sisters. Those who God decided in advance would be conformed to His Son. He also called. Those whom He called he also made righteous. Those whom He made righteous, He also glorified. So, what are we going to say about these things? If God is for us, who is against us? He didn't spare His own Son, but gave Him up for us all. Won't He also freely give us all things with Him? Who will bring a charge against God's elect people? It is God who acquits them. Who is going to convict them? It is Christ Jesus who died. Even more, who was raised and who also is at God's right side. It is Christ Jesus who also pleads our case for us. Who will separate us from Christ's love? Will we be separated by trouble or distress or harassment or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, we are being put to death all day long for your sake. We are treated like sheep for slaughter. But in all these things we win a sweeping victory through the one who loved us. I'm convinced that nothing can separate us from God's love in Christ Jesus our Lord. Not death or life, not angels or rulers, not present things or future things, not powers or height or depth or any other thing that is created. 
when we read verses like that, I sometimes feel like we should just say amen and pray and leave. But we still have questions. And if we're going to search for answers for those questions, real answers, not just pat answers, real answers that have meaning, that are spiritual answers, then we have to look beyond what we can see. So let's start by saying that this ain't back to the future. We can't see into the future. We don't know how things will work out. So do you know what that means? That means that if we're being honest, we don't always know what's best for us. Not in the long run. Not in the grand scheme of things. You know, there was this really really wise man who one time said some of God's greatest gifts are unanswered prayers. So think about it. If God gave you everything that you prayed for from the time you were 13 to 21, really think about it during that time period and what you prayed for. If God really gave you everything you prayed for from the time you were 13 to 21, how messed up would your life be right now? And because the truth is, sometimes we believe we got to have something. And it's only later when we look back, we realize what a blessing it was that we didn't get what we wanted. You know, Ella is three now. So she's getting to that stage where she's getting into everything and asking questions about everything. And she has this phrase that she loves to say that I think she gets from her mama where she says, I need it. Or sometimes she'll vary it and say, Daddy, I want it. And now if we're going to be really, really honest, Ain't that the way that our prayers so often go? God, I want this. Lord, I need this. The problem is that when Ella gets hold of a knife at a restaurant, we take it away. When she gets a container of Clorox wipes, we take them away. When she gets into something that could hurt her, we take it away. And you know what? It doesn't do a bit of good trying to reason with her because she's three. And you know what we get? We get a temper tantrum because she's three. And you know what? We'll put up with a few tears and some fake crying to keep our baby safe. Now, I'm telling you this because so often we're short-sighted. We only look at the here and now. You know, the other day, I went in Books A Million. I love going to their $5 section because I used to find some really cool things there. I haven't lately. But the other day when I was there, I saw this book called Answers 
and it was on sale. And you know how you can look at that sticker and it tells you what the original price was? And then it tells you the sale price? Well, I looked at that and saw that it was on sale from being on sale. And you know what? That's the way that we are as Americans. Answers are getting cheaper all the time. We want a quick and easy answer for everything. So I'm sorry, but I'm not going to be like one of those preachers who has an answer for everything. I'm not going to give you an answer, an easy answer, that says that this verse, Romans 8.28, claims that God turns what's bad into good. Because the truth is, there's nothing in the Bible that says that bad things automatically turn out right for the good person. There's nothing like that at all. And I think the church, capital C, is full of superficial theology. So let's be very real and let's talk about the truth. Let's be practical for a minute. The truth is, we live in a world where dark things happen. We live in a world where bad things happen. We live in a world that can be heartbreaking. There's earthquakes and hurricanes and tornadoes and floods and wildfires. And all of those things are part of what's required for this planet to survive and support life. All those things have causes that we can read and study and understand if you want to open a book and study them. But the sad part is that so often people lose their lives when they get caught in the middle of one of those storms. And we live in a world where we have trillions of cells in our bodies. And once in a while, a cell will go haywire and it begins to reproduce endlessly. And we call that cancer. It happens sometimes. Scripture says that our bodies are fearfully and wonderfully made. And we have this repair mechanism where our bodies will heal themselves. You know this. You get a cut and you start bleeding. And what happens? Your body starts to heal. It starts to scab over there. You know this. You get a cold and most of the time you get better all by yourself. Most of the time. But every once in a while, there will be a maverick cell. It's not that God wants you to be sick. It's not that God wants to give His children cancer to teach them something or to punish you. It's just a part of what happens in life sometimes. And sometimes, we do things that are foolish. Sometimes we do things that are hateful. Sometimes we gossip about people, talking about them behind their backs. Sometimes people drink too much and then idiotically 
decide to drive. And sometimes innocent people suffer from that. They're killed. And then some people, out of the cruelty and darkness and evil in their hearts, do things to hurt one another. And we see this over and over in Scripture. We betray each other. We deny each other. We hurt each other. And that's sin. So the truth is there's sin in this world and that means there is pain in this world. So what's God's answer to that? There are some people that this is a huge stumbling block for them. That because of this issue, people ask, with so much pain and evil and suffering and hurt in this world, is there a good and loving God? I think God would respond by saying, look, the earth is the way it is because that's the way it has to be. And I think God would say that people hurt each other because I gave you freedom. And I'm not going to take that away from you. So God's response to the brokenness and pain and hurt and death in our lives is that He came and walked among us. Jesus came and He walked among us. And we call Him Emmanuel, God with us. We see that Jesus healed the sick he opened the eyes of the blind and He showed us what God is like. And He offers us grace and forgiveness and mercy. But don't forget this. Even though Jesus was divine, He is still fully human. That means that He experienced all the same things that we do. Think about it. When God walked among us, when Jesus was here, what did people do? The most righteous people on the planet at that time arrest Jesus. They mock Him. They spit on Him. They beat Him. And they send Him to die. The Romans, who were to create justice, end up doing what they know is unjust. And they torture Jesus to death. And so here's what God is saying. Look. I know what you're walking through. And I want you to know that I experienced that too. I want you to know that I know the pain when people choose to misuse their freedom. And I walk through it with you. But that's not the end of the story. Even Jesus knows what it's like to feel far away from God because on the cross, He cries out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? So Jesus wants us to know that He understands. 
And make no mistake about it, as Jesus hangs on the cross, it looks like hate wins. It looks like dark has overcome light. It looks like death has conquered life. But that's not the end of the story. That's why Christianity hinges on the resurrection, the bodily resurrection of Jesus. Because without it, it doesn't make sense. And that is why the cross and the resurrection go hand in hand. If you have the resurrection without the cross, you don't know that God understands. You don't understand that this is God's answer to the brokenness and the pain and the suffering and sin and hurt and darkness in this world. what the cross says. The cross is God's answer to all that's bad. But without the resurrection, you don't know that those things have been conquered. Without the resurrection, you don't realize that those things, they don't get to have the final word. Because of the cross, we know that the worst thing is never the last thing. The worst thing is not the last thing. Darkness, cancer, terrorism, hate, oppression. Those things don't get to have the final word because there is always hope. Our confidence is in a God who, if we will let Him, will engineer our circumstances and will bring us out where we ought to come out. We trust that God is at work in our lives. We know that He's working within some kind of process to bring good and that He can redeem any circumstance even the worst situation. We know that God is with us. And because God is with us, we don't have to become bitter. We don't have to stay depressed because of our mistakes. Mistakes and suffering is just part of the fabric of life. But the good news, the good news that Paul is sharing is that every hardship It's just the first step. It's just a prelude to glory. In Romans 8, 28, Paul didn't say, I believe God is at work. He doesn't say, in my opinion. He doesn't say, I think. He says, we know. You know, you know I teach English, so I have to throw some English out at you every now and then. There was this one time that someone asked Robert Browning, the famous poet, what is the one thing in all of your poetry that's most representative of you and who you are? And Robert Browning replied, I am very sure about God. Maybe you need to be sure about God in your life. Maybe when that assurance comes, you can stand up in 
the worst that life throws at you and be convinced that God, the God who holds you in His hands, that God is the all-wise, all-knowing, all-loving Father. Frances Havrigal, I think that's how you pronounce her name, she was a great hymn writer. And she lived a long, faithful life. She loved God all of her life. She was in her 80s and nearing her very last day. And one of her friends came over and read Isaiah 42.6. I, the Lord, have called thee in righteousness and will hold thine hand and will keep thee. Francis stopped her friend and said, Did you hear that? We are called, we are held, and we are kept. I believe I can go home on that. And she did. And so as you prepare to go home on that thought, I pray you remember this one last thing. That no matter what's happening in your life right now, you can have the assurance That you are called, you are held, and you are kept in the hand of your Heavenly Father. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.